you know, if I could be like him or, you know, just a little bit like him. Or, they also, they want, they want him to live, live a good life. Uh, prosperity, nothing wrong with prosperity. Prosperity is not just financial, but healthy and quality of life. And so not, everybody wants that, every believer wants that. And I think lastly, uh, most believers want to get to heaven. Hello, anybody say amen? Yeah. We want to make it to heaven. Uh, I wrote a song, one of these days with the band, we're gonna play it. Uh, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Well, that's, that's another message. But the main difference I find in these two groups, one group seems or, or tries to look for the easiest way to accomplish that goal. Conversely, uh, the other are willing to do whatever it takes to do that goal. So you have easy road, right? Or the rough road. So the benefit of a goal, now here's the benefit, because you can have the same goals, but the, it's not so much the goal that makes the individual. The benefit of the goal is gains value, rather. The benefit of the goal gains value by the route you take to obtain it. Right? Those who have taken the, 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 the knocks, the hard knocks, and make it, always are better than those that were given a silver spoon. Very seldom do you find, although there are some, but very seldom do you find those who have been given a silver spoon that take advantage of that or don't uh, misuse that spoon, if you will. Right? So if you look at Route 1, I'm, I'm thinking Route 1. A Christian is decidedly, though not wholly, spiritual. Route 1. There's one route, right? The mark of their spirituality are these. A freedom from willful and habitual subjection to sin. In other words, they may blow up, but they, they don't want to sin, but they may make, have some trouble. Anybody, don't raise your hand, but anybody ever sin? Well, we can all raise both hands and our feet and everything, okay? The, the, and the other thing, the measurement of their obedience, they measure themselves by the law, by the book, by the Bible. They're looking at the Bible and they're, they're measuring themselves. These, these are the marks of, of the spirituality in these people. They also give credit for all their excellencies that they attain to God, to the Holy Spirit. And lastly, the spiritual Christians fight for unity among themselves. They're always trying to be, make unity, not make peace. They're not trying to create division. These are the, the route, I call it route one. Now route two, they hold on, and they're, they're like route one people. However, they hold on, uh, let me read like this. They hold on, they hold on to the remains of the sinful character that exists within them. In other words, they're, they're coming to church, but they kind of like who they were in the world. Hello. Are you with me? Yeah. And they realize that there's a battle with that new spirit that also just, just arrived in them. So the one is wanting to be spiritual. The other one is kind of wants to be in church, wants to make it to heaven. Those things I mentioned earlier. However, they kind of like what they do or what they did. And they're not quite letting go. You know anybody like that? Don't look around. Amen? They remain too much carnal and become too little spiritual. Some traits, very briefly, with those type of people, they, they bear not affliction well. When they go through a trial, they don't do it well. They, they're, they're like high maintenance. They're just like, they're, they're, when they're going through it, they make sure everybody goes through it. You know those kind of people? 
Their behavior in the church is not often the best behavior. Right? They tend to be quarrelsome and contentious. They want to, they always argue, always, and it seems like they're always, you know, drama. You ever meet people that, that are like drama follows to them? They should be like, get Academy Awards because there's so much drama. Right? <laughs> Lastly, they pay too much attention to the pomp of this world. Right? Now, this state must be altered. The Bible says, be no longer carnal, but walk in the spirit. Nonetheless, there's these two routes of people, basically. Right? Yeah. I, I have a bike ride. I ride mountain bikes, right? And if I have a goal, my goal with mountain bike is to keep my weight down, get in shape. I like running miles. I like I ride you know, 10, 20 miles, 30 miles, whatever. I like to ride. But when I'm bored, my wife knows I'm bored, I get on my bike, and I have a route. It's a real simple route. I'll go from the house up here, and I'll just go down the home, down the creek, go down to the men's home, turn around, come back up the creek, right? Then I come to Nevada, over here on Austin Bluffs, on the creek, come up. Then I go up Austin Bluffs, I go all the way over Austin Bluffs, go down to Academy, come back, make a U-turn, and come back, come back over the hill, and come back down. I just like doing that. You know, going up the hill. I think the hill is the funnest part. I just do it. Now, that's my route. But if, if on my way up Austin Bluffs, Larry, he got a truck, right? Larry came and he picked me up in his truck. I would accomplish my goal because Larry would take me up over the hill, right, go for a cruise, go to camp, turn around, Larry take me back, and then he could take me home. I would get there, my goal would be completed because my goal is to leave my house and come back to my house, right? I would accomplish the goal, but I would lose the benefit of the route. See, I would not gain any more strength. My physical conditioning would not improve. And the money I spent on my mountain bike would have been a waste. Are you with me? And see, that's the, the picture I see of these two types of people. Some people want to do the route, but don't want to pay the price. So they never get strength spiritually. They can never last in their walk for any length of time because they don't have spiritual conditioning so they fade away. Hmm? And so all the effort and everything they put into it becomes a waste. Are you with me? Yeah. So the route one chooses is as important as the goal one sets. You have to have a route, but you, you have to have a goal, but it's the route. I would dare say that the process is more important than the goal. No, we want the goal, but without the process, you're missing it, right? Now, Paul is writing to a Corinthian church much like most churches, and he writes there in chapter 3, verse 1, and he says this, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? So Paul suggests by his question that acting like mere men is not the goal. Moreover, Paul distinctly separates two types of individuals. You see him. He calls one spiritual, right? And he calls the other one worldly. Now, in the, in the King James or the New King James, he calls them spiritual people and carnal. 
In the English Standard Version, he says spiritual people and people of the flesh. Any way you call it, any way you call it, Paul has separated two types of Christians. Let's look at carnal Christians for a little while. Are you ready? Hang on to your caballos. When we become saved, we are baptized into Christ's body, right? We come into his body. And, and Paul is still talking later to the church, the Corinthian church, and he says the body is a unit. Though it's made up of many parts, and all the parts are, are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ's body. We're all baptized into one spirit, into one body, whether Jew, Greek, slave, free. We were, and we're all given, I like this phrase, he says it at the end, we are all given the one spirit to drink. Very interesting. We're not thereby all equally mature. There's different types. And we're given the opportunity to drink a certain type or the spirit, it says, right? In Corinth, Paul recognized that many of the believers were not growing and he called them carnal Christians. He says there in verse 1, Brother, I could not speak unto you as, as spiritual, but as unto carnal. He even says, even as unto babes in Christ. So, here is the church, babes in Christ initially. We come in and then we were given the spirit to drink. Now, I propose that one must choose to drink the Spirit. And that's the essence of what route you take. You can come to church and play church, right? And act like a church. But unless you say, Holy Spirit, come in and lead me completely. Choose it. Because the Holy Spirit will never force it upon you. He's a gentleman. He'll, he'll make himself available. But you have to choose to drink it. Ah, that's where the distinction begins. Because many people, they say they love the Lord and they want that. But when you, be, when you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you, He often doesn't lead you where you want to go. Can I say amen? amen. He, he led Jesus to the desert to be tempted for 40 days, the Bible said. That darn Holy Spirit. He can lead you places that you never even imagined. You know, you, you come around, I've, I've, had, I've had parents, you know, my son, my daughter, they're all messed up, take them, and we bring them in, and all of a sudden they start following the Holy Ghost hardcore. They, they choose to, to drink the Spirit, and then the parents who are crying, help my children, say, what have you done to my son? Well, he'd become a Jesus freak. He's a hallelujah. He's a disciple of Jesus Christ. He chose to drink the Spirit. Huh? So as such, those that drink are different from those who do not drink. Right? He called them as babes in Christ, carnal Christians. They've had the new birth, but they have not grown spiritually. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, there's many, many believers that have gone to church all their life, 20 years. And what do I have often said? You've been in church 20 years, right? One year, 20 times. There has to be a growth. And if the only way for God to grow you, there's only one way. Unless God moves through you, He can't work in you. Let me keep moving. Huh? Therefore, these immature believers must be fed baby food, as were they there in Corinth. He said, I have to give you baby food. 
Well, as was my habit, when I read that word baby food, I go, baby food. Interesting. So I began to study, and I became an expert on baby food. <laughs> Not just Gerber's, but baby food. See, from birth to age two is a critical period in a baby's life. This is when one establishes lifelong and healthy dietary preferences, right? People will say, well, you know, you know I'm big bone or I'm fat because my family's fat. No, you're not fat or, or big bone because your family is because you've eaten a certain way and you were taught that and that's the way you are and it, it established what you ate all your life, right? Because like I said, you know, you know, I'm Hispanic, Mexican, right? And I'm careful. This is what we used to do. Only one plate with 14 tortillas. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, <laughs> we just learned that. Amen. Right? It's part of it. Right, Jose? And then we pay for it when we get older. Oh, man. Come on. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Don't act like not me, Pastor. Yeah, you, you. Uh, Eat too much flour, too much masa. Yeah. Right? <laughs> See, this is when eating habits are developed. Birth to age two can determine if one suffers from childhood obesity. Now, toddlers' diets, one to two years old, should support development of motor skills, of how you operate. That's when you gotta start getting on some proteins, and because you're, you're growing the muscles, and you're growing the bone. They just can't eat baby food. Because if, if they stay on baby food, they'll never progress. Could you imagine if right now, every one of you were still eating out of a jar with the name Gerber on it? You'd be flabby, you'd have no muscle, no bone, you'd be probably walking like this, you know, like, what happened? I, I live on Gerber. <laughs> You're really a Gerber baby. <laughs> huh? See, too many Christians live on a baby food diet. And see, in the spirit, you're all messed up. Yeah. And what happened, and I might be getting ahead of myself, but it's okay. But it's not often your fault because it's the preaching that determines what you eat. And see, some preachers have misused the pulpit and are so afraid of you maybe not coming back to church or, or not paying your tithe because that's what pays the bills. So they withhold and all they do is give you nice candy. Mmm, Snickers. Pan dulce. Right? But they never bring out the ribeye. Because they don't know if you can handle a knife and fork yet. Hello, somebody. Huh? Now, see, children under two should not consume added sugar and saturated fat, or sodium should, and sodium should be limited. Right? So the reason there's so much baby food made available to Christians. See, the food wouldn't be made available if there were not babies there to eat it. Oh, that's a good one right there. Think of, let, let, let that come just sort of saturate your brain, and, right? Huh? So we must grow up and work for God instead of being crybabies. Why? Because a crybaby is a baby who only wants to be fed. Perhaps the reason so little is done for God is this. Babies can't work. They can't work. Babies are babies. They need to be nurtured. But eventually you have to stop eating the baby food and move on. Are you with me? So fundamentally, baby food are for babies, right? And if you notice a baby, there's one thing about a baby. They mainly complain and cry for comfort. 
No, that's okay because they're babies, you know. But you don't you don't see a little two two year old or a little toddler going, Father, do you want me to clean the front room for you? <laughs> you don't you, you never see that, right? So you know, uh, it's always wow, wow, me, 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 right? Me, what about me, 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 me? I'm hungry, me, 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 mine, 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 mine. Imagine that in the spirit. Preach to me, Pastor. Make me feel good. Make me feel good. No, don't give me meat. Give me candy. Make it sweet. Hello, somebody. Oh, let me move on. Now, there is a treatment. One treatment for carnal Christian is to feed them solid spiritual food. See, only solid food will grow you. To treat such a Christian constantly like a baby would, would continue or perpetuate his or her state of immaturity. So like that right now, right now, I'm giving you solid food. Amen? Yeah. So if you need a glass of water, hang in there. The water of the Holy Ghost is coming soon. But you have to understand, we have to eat solid food. Today's preaching, like I said, is partially responsible for the infantile stage of Christianity. Infant stage of Christianity. Ah, pastors, again, see the congregation as young in the Lord. And in order not to offend those who pay the bills, some choose to only give them elementary truths. Jesus loves you. The grace of God. Prosperity. Right? Name it and claim it. Oh, yeah. You, you don't have to suffer. Oh, God's going to heal you. God's, I mean, all the elementary truths. But they don't, he don't, they don't dig deep into what, what really God is trying to show us. Hello, somebody. I call that a man-centered gospel. See, God did not create the gospel for man. You were created for the gospel. Amen. So God has a purpose. He has a plan. And his plan is not you. His plan is his plan. He allows us to partake in his plan. Yeah. Now we're in his plan and we get to do something. But it's not taught that way. It's taught that if, if you were the only one on earth, God would have died for you. No, he wouldn't have unless you were part of the plan. Well, well, mm, huh? No, it's a God center. God created the heavens and the earth for His pleasure, not for our pleasure. We're just lucky we get to live here. Right? That's it. We could, we could, we could have been Martians. Right? We could, have, we could have been anything else but where we're at now. We're blessed just to be a part of His creation because He has a plan. Amen. See, the result of those type of people that eat just baby food is a congregation that remains unfruitful in Christ. Now research, ironically, I read some research. Research has documented that high levels of added sugar and sodium in baby food products, as well as marketing messages that imply that these products may benefit a children's nutrition and health, hurt children cause health ailments, problems. You know, now you have people that are allergic to wheat and they, they call it, what do they call that? Um, something intolerant? Gluten, 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 yeah, gluten. They never had gluten when I was growing up. All of a sudden, these things start popping up. It's not because we're gluten intolerant, because we're eating too much junk as babies. We're not eating right. Too much sugar, salt, and everything else. Huh. 
And so we're suffering for it now, a generation. Diabetes on the increase. Why? Because in 1958, the Surgeon General was paid off by a scientist who said that fat is no good for you. And they began to remove fat from all the products. And you know what? When they removed the fat, it took away the flavor of food. So the only way to gain flavor is the sugar lobby who had paid this Surgeon General to remove fat from products and let's replace it with sugar. Now everything you eat has sugar. And it's killing you. Diabetes, number one problem in the country today. Let me let you know something. Fat doesn't make you fat. Sugar does. Fat makes you healthy. Eat butter. Extra fat milk. Don't, get, don't believe all that stuff. Just cut out the sugars. But this was a money thing. Research. Unfortunately, this re- research represents today's Christian culture. Can I, can I say, oh my. See, Christian TV marketing message has lost its warrior message and replaced it with a household message. The result is too much sugar or salt in the spiritual diet. See, early Christians understood that they were under attack. They understood that they were fighting for the souls of the world. They were considered warriors. In fact, when he talked to the Roman church, Paul would continue to say, be a good soldier, be a good soldier. Even David would say, his mighty men of valor, warriors, right? Even Deborah would lead the people into battle when he fought with Barak in the Old Testament. Warriors, Jabez took the spear, the nail, and drove it to the Philistines' temple and nailed them to the ground. That's some warrior stuff right there. But that message has been taken out and replaced with a sweet, loving household message. How sweet. See, the result is too much sugar. Sugar. Sweet Christians living the blessed life, unwilling to do battle. Salt, nice flavored messages trying to bring you back every week without the call to send you into the fight. Well, they're flavorful. But we don't need flavor. Huh? We don't need sugar. We need strong families. Huh? See, but we need strong families, and let's not risk forgetting our goal and our route. Amen? Amen. To Connor's Christian, the greatest concern is their bodily care. The Greek word for carnal is sarikos, or derived from sark, meaning flesh, bodily, body, often referred to as the body of sin. And Paul fought with that constantly. He understood he had this body of sin that he had to fight with. In Romans 6, 6 and 7, it reads like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we no longer live like slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. The flesh is the old man in us. Hello. That flesh, the old man who who supposedly, who should have been crucified with Christ. But see, the, the problem is this body of sin remains in us our entire life. Right? Or that just me? That, that, that body of sin, that sinful thinking, where that stinking thinking remains with us all our life. Doesn't leave. I'm running that story of the, the old preacher, 80-year-old preacher, Billy Walking. He's walking. An old guy. And he had a young guy with him. Young, young disciple, 30 years old, young. Unmarried young man. And this cool man, old guy, walking. And all of a sudden, there she was. 
Tan 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 tan. Right, this beautiful woman comes walking down the street, and that 30-year-old man got all nervous, man. He's a minister, right? But he couldn't keep his eye because he's beautiful. And the old man's walking, and that guy goes, "Man, I wish one when I'm when I wish I'm like you, and when I get older and able to withstand this temptation." And the old man goes, "Me too." <laughs> That old man's with you till the day you die. Huh? See, that's why the route is important. Because the route teaches you how to keep that old man in subjection. The route teaches you how not to fall victim to temptation. The route teaches you not to rubberneck when you're not supposed to. The route teaches you to turn the TV off when the wrong program comes on. It's the route that matters. Some of you want the easy route. Yeah. And then you hear, oh, God hasn't dealt with me in that area yet. Shut up, you lying devil. He's dealt with you. You just don't want, you just want, you just like the sugar. He's dealt with you, you just like the salt. He, has, he dealt with you the day he died on the cross. He, he dealt for that sin, and he dealt for every other sin that's going to come your way. He dealt with it already. Just you like the sugar. Hello? But even Paul sometimes felt so defeated by the old man within that he called himself fleshly. The apostle Paul. Huh? He writes in Romans 7, 14, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Soul is a slave to sin. He diagnosed the state of the Corinthian church from his own experiences. When he's writing this church, he's not just trying to talk them down or, or make it feel bad. He goes, look, I understand. He went through his things. He goes, you got to be careful, Corinthian church. You got to be careful, Victory Outreach. We're in a battle. Cut out the sugar. Leave the salt shaker on the table. No, take it off the table. No? See, another symptom of a Christian babyhood is, is attached to the humans who nurture them, if you notice that. Because you see it. I call them Christian groupies. You ever want a Christian groupie? So the, re the reason babies are so attached to the mothers is because the mother tended to nurture them the most, right? If you have a baby, who, who, I, of course the father will feed them every now and then, but it's the mama, right? The baby's in the belly for a long time, right? Comes out, mama, right? Right? And if, and if you nurture it, then it, it takes an affection towards you, right? The baby. It's like uh, uh, Francisco tell me that he nurtured a duck. A duck? A blah. He nurtured a duck and it almost died, but he, he took care of it and it lived and he bottle fed it, fed it, and he actually taught the duck to fly. Now I go, I know you're a five son, you came across the border, but come on, give me a break. He didn't fly. <laughs> he taught him to fly. He put him in the car and he drove and the, the duck would chase him along the and he started flying. <laughs> so he nurtured the duck. So he thought, you know, that was daddy duck. Amen. <laughs> but there's a bond. And so there's a natural tendency who, for those of us who teach the word of God, those of us who maybe led to the Lord, there's a natural tendency to, to, to cling to those people. Are you with me? That's a sign of immaturity. See, in, in Corinth, the believers became followers of Peter, Paul, and Apollos, etc. An unbalanced allegiance to any human Christian leader or denomination is a telltale sign of a baby Christian. However, one must always give honor where honor is due. You know, I, I love my pastor. I love Nikki. And I understand I give him honor where honor is due. However, Jesus saved me. Amen. The Holy Ghost leads me. Yeah. And so I give God all the glory. Amen? Yeah. 
And so we have to have a balance uh, in ourselves. So the balance is found in one obe one's obedience and their humble attachment to Jesus Christ. So Paul tried to bring the Corinthians to their senses by asking them, who crucified? Who was crucified for you? Was it Paul? Was it Apollos? Who was crucified? It was Jesus. It was Jesus who was crucified. Huh? So likewise, we, put, we must not put those preachers whom we see and hear closer to our hearts than Jesus who died for us and now lives. Amen. So if we put Christ first, we will start to grow in, into spiritual adults. Amen? Because any spiritual leader I know would, would cherish the day where all his people in his congregation were locked into God. I mean, just locked and sold out to the Holy Ghost. Because why? Because we, we serve the same God and, he, and we'll have the same purpose and we'll be united in mind to accomplish his goal. It's much easier that way. And then that way, we don't have to worry about you backsliding and doing the wrong things out there. Why? Because you're tied to God. You're tied to the Holy Spirit. You're going to be fine. So when we come together, we grow, we mature, we operate, we do things. Okay? That's what we're looking for. So don't get caught up by doctrine. That's the people, you know, and Paul, he had to fight that too, but the doctrine. Listen, let me let you know something. God does not judge you by your doctrine. In fact, when you go to heaven, he's not going to ask you if you're a Baptist, a Jesus only, Presbyterian, Catholic, Victory. He's not going to ask you that. He doesn't, we, we're humans, we're, we're so immature because we're acting like babies. We think that's important. No. The only thing that God considers, one thing when you walk up, did you do what I asked you? Period. Because God is going to ask each one of us to do something. Well, he haven't asked me yet. Yeah, he's asked you. You probably just got your ears plugged. Or you're dead in sin, so you don't hear. But he's going to ask each one. Do that. Hopefully his response is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come in. Or, get away from me. I never knew you. So we all have that opportunity. It's the route you take. Hello, somebody. There's only one body, one spirit. We're just called, to, and we're also called to one hope. Right? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over everything. Amen? Amen? Then you have the second group of Christians. There's two people, right? The spiritual. They say the spiritual. I'm prophesying. Victor Irish is full of spiritual Christians. Yeah. Let me say it again. Victory Outreach is full of spiritual Christians. Huh? So these believers are exactly the opposite of carnal Christians. Amen? 1 Corinthians 1-3-1 reads like this. 1 Corinthians 3-1. And brethren, I do not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal. Wow. So he come to a church, it would be like if I said, Victory Outreach, I'm not speaking to you, to you as spiritual, but as carnal. Could you imagine that? That would be like Pastor Sonny, my pastor, coming down here and telling us that. Wow, that's heavy. See, the spiritual Christian, no, how, no matter how much he or she accomplishes for Christ, realizes that it's God that gives the increase. 
They realize, they know. I don't care what you do, how many business transactions you made, how many successes you had, how many losses, how many degrees. I don't care about that. I don't care uh, how much money you're making. A spiritual Christian understands this. If it wasn't for God, none of this would be possible. And they, they not only understand it, but they give God his due. That's why they, they always return the tithe. Remember, you don't pay your tithe. The Bible says you return the tithe. Why? You, return, you only return something that doesn't belong to you. Right? It's like I, I lent um, somebody my air compressor and never got it back. And I had to go hunt it down. They didn't return something that didn't belong to them. You only return something that doesn't belong to you, right? And God says, all believers must return the tithe. Why? Because the tithe belongs to who? God. Return. Return the sender. Address unknown. No such number. No such loan, right? They know. They give God the glory. Paul is writing the church there in chapter 3, verse 6 and 8, and he says this. I planted it, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So in other words, these people were looking at Apollos and looking at Paul and said, wait a minute. He goes, I may have planted it in you, but, and Paul may have taught you, but we had nothing to do with it. God created the increase, right? They know where the glory goes. So neither he nor who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Now we're getting back to your growth. See, God has to make you grow. All you have to do is open up your heart to growth. God, grow me, God. I don't want to be an immature Christian. I don't want to eat Snickers. I want some carne asada. I want some meat. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want, I don't want the easy, the salty. No, I don't need salt. I want, I want the, the, the spiritual food. I want the food that's going to make me grow. Because it is the, the, the adult food that makes you grow. You got to be tired of baby food. Some people just like baby food. Make me feel good. Oh, I feel it. Oh. All they want is a goosebump. They ain't, don't come to my church for goosebumps. Come to this church to learn about Jesus so you can walk out the door and get on your giddy up and start living for God. That's what we're trying to do here. Huh? We want people to get on their giddy up. See, growth is brought about by a factor or a cause other than oneself. A seed is placed in the ground, it is watered, and it grows. Correct? See, most people are tempted to conclude that they made themselves grow. We call it, and if they do that, that's called self-generation. And if you think you self-generated, you're completely confused. Huh? Because there's no guarantee in your life. There's no guarantee. Hello, somebody? Right? So we must always recognize that it's God who put life into the seed, and it's God who makes it grow. A man-made seed with all the same parts placed in the ground and watered will never grow. A spiritual Christian is one who recognizes and bows to God's power. It's God. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He or she recognized that, that he or she is the zero after the one. And that without the one coming first, he or she will always be a zero. 
A mature Christian is one who never considers himself as having arrived. They constantly grow. And the moment one stops growing, one reverts back to who? The old man. Remember that old man that's always living with you? He's there waiting to rise his head. Does, does anybody not have an old man? Raise your hand. Okay, so I'm talking to everybody, right? We all have that one, or, or old woman, or, or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, as it close. I'll put my piano player up. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. That word there in verse, in verse 9, building, is, is a word oikodome, which means a building in the process of being constructed. Doesn't mean a completed building. You are God's building. A building in the process of being constructed. So we're all in the process. Wherever you're at, that's where you're at. But you should be there tomorrow. You should be different. If you're still the same, then something's wrong. Because God will give you the opportunity to grow. You have to, you have to do it. No one, nobody can force you to grow. I can't force you to grow. The most flowering speech can't induce you to grow. It has to start inside here. And it begins with your relationship with God. You say, I want to grow. I want to be different. I want to be better. I want to do more. I want to live a great life. I want to be more than a conqueror. It has to be something inside. Yeah. 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 Hmm? God never finishes us until our last breath. When we allow him to keep on building us, we are spiritual. We understand, I've come to this point and i got to grow. But you, you think you're doing well for a while, don't hang in there. God will reveal more stuff in you that needs to change. You go, man, got to grow again. Right? Interestingly, that same word, oikodomi, is the Greek word used in 2 Corinthians 5.1. Let's turn there. Now you know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. That word building represents our eternal house in heaven. It's the same word. The quality of our home in heaven, listen, will be determined by the quality of our life as Christians on earth. Yes. The foundation of one's heavenly home begins here. And another scripture says this, that your works do follow you. So as you begin to allow God to grow you and build you here in heaven, God is setting a foundation for what he describes your heavenly dwelling. So what, what kind of foundation are you establishing? Hmm? Some of you, if you're not careful, you'll, you'll make it to heaven. You just might have a, a lean-to. We'll, we'll let you take the tarp that they use at the, at the woman's home for their, their hot dog stand. Or... God is preparing a place for you, a mansion. Jesus said, in, in heaven, where he's going, there are many mansions. Yes. Hmm? See, the incentive to become less carnal and more spiritual is clear. The kind of Christian 
you are. Or I should have said this, what kind of Christian are you? A carnal or spiritual? That is determined by the route each one of you choose. You have to choose it. I want everybody to bow and every head close. Is everybody bowed, every eye closed? The goal is clear. But the route is yours. God made us men and women of free will. There are many that want to be disciples of God that are willing to do what it takes to learn and grow, put in the midnight oil. But there are many that just seem to think they can just simply come to church and they'll be okay. Church is the beginning. Church puts you in the right position. That's a starting point. We don't want to build a church. We want to be the church. So as we sing this song, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart and you're determined to choose the route, the route that makes you grow, that limits your sugar and salt intake, the route that provides adult meat, not the elementary truth, but the deeper things of God. Now listen, if that's not you, you don't have to get up. I, I, pour, I, 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 I ask wholeheartedly that if this is you, that you make a move. It's your choice. God wants to lead you. The altars are open.